Um, and as we look at Christian decision making and pay attention to our worldviews, that's a it's, it's a fun it's an easy way to do that by looking at some popular topics. So, um, just even say this makes you nervous because most of you cremate now. So when I say I won't even talk about cremation, um, makes people nervous. Um, I won't do it this morning because it's so hot and there's about 200 children between here and the columbarium. Tonight I may end up at the columbarium. It'd be nice and quiet. We'd be all ones here. We may end up out there. So, you know, should you wonder if there's any hidden agenda concerning cremation and what I'm saying, do pay attention. We've got three phases of a columbarium out here. Um, but that, does that mean I accept cremation wholesale? Does that mean I reject cremation? Um, particularly since most funerals are cremations now, and we have a lot of cremations here. Three, we have a beautiful columbarium um, out behind the church here. Um, does that mean I accept cremation wholesale? Well, I've, I wonder how you've been thinking about cremation. What, what do you put in your file folder when you start contemplating cremation? Well, I want to encourage you to put some things in the file folder as you think about cremation, cremation or any other topic that has to do with the body. So, um, let's start by talking just about the history of cremation. Look at your handout. I, I, I gave you a handout really more for my sake than your sake uh, to keep me on topic. So, um, uh, most people know very little about the history of cremation. Again, they, they accept it wholesale and they know very little about where it came from, when we started doing it, why we started doing it, who does it, who doesn't do it, who will allow it, who will not allow it. Um, so my guess is most of you in the room here have never researched cremation or the history of cremation. Uh, again, that, and that's, that's fine, but it just shows you how we sort of accept things. We get kind of carried along in a stream. Now, the stream may be good or bad, but don't ever just get carried along in the stream. Use, use your brain. I told the congregation Sunday, I am an ISTJ, which if you went home and Googled that, one of the things you learn about that is I don't intuit my way to my opinions. I study my way to my opinions. Now, a lot of people just intuit their way to their opinions. However they feel determines their opinions. Um, I actually said yesterday, I'd never tell you what kind of personalities drive me crazy. That's one of them, though. Don't determine your convictions by how you feel about something. I'm a big fan of feelings, but feelings are extremely deceptive. Now, again, in postmodernism, we almost worship feelings. We do what our feelings tell us to do. We don't do what our feelings tell us not to do. I love feelings, but again, don't make them your God. In the Christian worldview, we have another God other than our feelings or emotions. Anyway, so I like, I like facts. I like history. Um, so let's look to history of cremation. Uh, let's talk about the pre-Christian world. Cremation has been known longer than burial. You know, sometimes moderns think we invented sexual immorality, we invented uh, running water, we invented indoor plumbing, we invented cremation. Well, again, I'm a fan of history. Cremation has been around longer than, longer than in the ground burial of bodies have been around. Um, in the ancient world, you had a mix as to what we would do with the human body. Now, um, let's just talk about Jesus' world for a moment. He's Jewish. 
Let's just look at the first century Jewish world. You know, when Jesus metaphorically looked south, if he looked far enough south, he looked at uh, Egypt. You know what they did in Egypt, right? They embalmed. They embalmed heavy duty. They would put stuff with you. If you had the money, you would. Um, yeah, y'all make some room for Emily here. Um, if they made room, um, if if you embalmed in Egypt, if you were a pharaoh, you got a you got a pyramid, and they put stuff with you. So embalming was known in the ancient world. It became a very different thing in in our culture after the Civil War. But embalming was the big thing, way they did it in Egypt, particularly if you had the money to do it. Uh, you can, you'd even mummify them in case you want to go back and hang out with them 100 years, 200 years later. So Jesus' world knew that. Now, Jesus' world, they would have looked um, around um, and looked to the uh, west, to the Greco-Roman world, particularly from the Greeks, they cremated. You know, funeral pyres. They burned. Um, That was typical. That's what he did with Caesar when he died. The Romans, the Greco-Roman world got blended together. The Romans were not quite as enamored with uh, burning the deceased as the Greeks were. Um, So they would do some of both. There was in-ground burial known among the Roman culture, but they still did a lot of funeral pyres among the Roman culture. So Jesus' world very much knew about uh, burning as a means of of, of dealing with the dead or embalming, dealing with the dead. Now, uh, if you were to look at the Jewish world, Jesus' world, which, of course, three-quarters of your Bible is Hebrew Bible. Pay attention to it. Uh, if you look at Jesus' world, um, they basically buried. Um, they would bury quickly because they didn't know anything about embalming. The Jewish community still does that, by the way, if, if they can. Uh, they don't embalm. They bury quickly. They want it to be very natural, earth to earth, da- ashes to ashes, earth to earth, put in the ground. Um, so Jesus' world knew burial. Now, you know your Bible well enough. Sometimes those burials was in the ground. Sometimes they were in a crypt. Sometimes they were, like with Jesus, in a family cave. You know, a cave, kind of like what we would think of as a mausoleum. Um, so you see different things going on in the Bible, but... Um, what you don't tend to see in the Bible at all is the burning, like the Greeks and the Romans did. You don't see that in the Bible. Um, when you do see it, there are some instances. Uh, when Saul and um, Jonathan were killed by the Philistines, uh, they burned the bodies of Saul and um, uh, Jonathan because the, the Israelites were afraid that he, the Philistines would desecrate the bodies. And they'd already been kind of butchered. So they took what they could and buried. So there, there was some burning known there. Um, but usually just, just burial in some form or fashion is what Jesus would have known. So um, the pagan world, the non-Christian world, the world before um, the rise of Christianity was, was very much a mix. Um, you see on the paper there about Constantine the Great. You should know Constantine the Great. That was the first Roman emperor to embrace Christianity. And uh, he embraced Christianity uh, during his reign, obviously, around the year 313, 314, 315. He embraced Christianity. Well, when the emperor embraced Christianity, and that shows you how quickly we grew from the, you know, the 12 with Jesus 
to by the by by three thirteen three fourteen, uh, the emperor was was embracing Christianity. When, particularly when the emperor embraced Christianity, uh, everybody thought it was a good idea then. Everybody wanted to please the emperor. So Christianity really grew, really changed and grew by leaps and bounds after Constantine became uh, emperor, became a Christian. Uh, so by the end of the fourth century, by three eighty one, not only had the Roman emperor embrace Christianity, which led a lot of people to embrace Christianity. By 381, the Roman Empire outlawed anything but Christianity. So it was in the 4th century, those 300s, when uh, the, the, the Roman world became Christian. Uh, one of the things that died out almost completely when in the 4th century, when the Roman world became Christian, was guess what? The burning of corpses. Died out completely. And it was almost completely unknown in the West. Um, it was almost completely unknown in the West to the 19th century uh, because of the rise of Christianity, because of Judaism and then the rise of Christianity. Uh, there was no cremation. It actually was punishable by death if you cremated a corpse throughout most of that history. Uh, the other thing that I give you on your sheet there is 1873. You have to really jump ahead from the 4th century after Christ, 1873, the Vienna World Fair. Guess what one of the things was, one of the modern inventions that was on display at the Vienna World Fair? A cremator, which you put in a crematorium, you know, for the cremating of bodies. Now, part of what led to the rise of um, the concept of cremation at that point was there were a lot of people who were beginning to think uh, that it was the healthier alternative. You know, rather than have corpses even under the ground laying around or whatever, um, it might be a healthier alternative to, to cremate. So uh, it was very novel. 1873 World's Fair. A lot, throughout history, a lot of things get introduced at World's Fairs, and then everybody starts doing them. Um, there was a crematorium introduced at that World's Fair in, in Vienna. You notice it didn't take long for the first crematorium in the United States to be created. Uh, I don't even know where Washington, Pennsylvania is. But they have the distinction for building the first crematorium in the United States. Where's that? Right below, right below Pittsburgh. And the second one, by the way, was built in Pennsylvania. Don't know what's going on in Pennsylvania in the 1870s. But the first two were built in Pennsylvania. Um, so obviously since then, things have changed dramatically. Uh, I, I gave you the cremation rate there. Uh, 19, 19, this is in the U.S. 1913, 10,000 cremations. 1975, 150,000 cremations. 2019, which is the last year we have a record, complete record, 1.5 million cremations. But what's really fascinating about that is the percentage, 55%. We actually topped the 50% point in uh, the year 2016. I still remember. I still remember the very first cremation I did as a pastor because they were not many being done when I came in. Uh, and uh, my first full-time appointment was over here in Five Points, Montlew Avenue. And um, I, I, my first cremation was a, a elderly lady. She was known for being sort of a free thinker. And we were there at Sea Crease, the old Sea Crease on um, Lexington. And she had no family except two elderly sisters who were older than she was. She was in her 80s. And her sisters are older than her than the eighties. Well, we were in that little family room. Used to be a where the family would sit to view the service. But we were in that little family room, and the funeral director brought the box of cremains in, 
and said, who wants these? Well, the sisters were horrified. You know, I was so grateful that this lady had um, next-door neighbors, a young couple in the apartment complex who, who took the cremains. Um, but the sisters were horrified. So that shows you how far we've come in like 40 years. Um, the other thing that I've noticed in my ministry, because um, I'm going to tell you in a minute how we embraced cre- cremation. Um, the other thing I've, I don't do as much as I used to when people talk to me about cremation. I would say whatever your funeral arrangements are. Whatever your burial plans are, don't straddle your family with your wishes that would hurt them after you're gone. My wife has pages of stuff I want done. (laughs) But she knows in big print at the top is for her to do whatever she feels like she needs to do when the time comes. Now, my wife, she's less conventional than I am. She doesn't mind what convention is. So she'll, I'm sure she'll do everything I ask and, uh, and have a good time doing it. She would love to shock some folks. But over the years, I mean, I remember, again, in my first appointment, I had a great man, um, I had a great man who was sort of a free thinker. And he always would say, and he was older, He's been dead now for about 30-some years. He would always love to say, I'm going to be creative major when I die. And every time he said that, his wife Rachel started crying. I'd say, Leon, let's think about this a minute. Anyway, things have changed. We're over the, 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 more than half now are cremated. So, um, And you see my reasons for cremation. You, you can list those. By the way, I've always been fascinated by the funeral industry. It's a fascinating history. Um, but you see the um, reasons for cremation. Cheaper cost. You know, it can be quite a bit cheaper, but if you still do all the other stuff that goes with a funeral, um, with a burial, I mean, you can bury cremains or whatever. You know, it, it can be any, and, and it varies greatly. The, the, the national averages, according to, like the National Funeral Association or whatever, if you have the few, the full funeral stuff, but you have a cremation versus a burial, it's about a $2,500 average difference. Now, if you just cremate, but you don't bury, I mean, you can, you know, you can tweak that. Another thing that changed, when I came into the ministry, funeral homes, do I have any funeral directors in the room? I don't think I do. Some of my best friends are funeral directors. When I came into the ministry, uh, they, they, they sold you packages. Then the state finally said, you've got to itemize. And families can say, no, I don't want those chairs brought to my home. And I'm not going to pay a ridiculous amount for those chairs brought to my home. I don't want that wreath on the front door to tell the whole world that someone's died here. So I mean, anyway, say, I've, during my ministry, I've watched them start itemizing. So families pick and choose now. And they probably are in some ways um, more economical. Funerals are more economical. Some, you're not paying for some stuff that you didn't even want in funerals, um, but, but it's cheaper costs. It's, it's, it's cheaper. Not, it's not usually as much of a savings as some people think it is, but it's cheaper. Growing secularism, that's just a historical fact. That's another reason why. And um, declining opposition among Christians. And that's where I want to end up talking about, because what led to, we just didn't fall asleep one night, or we didn't you know, cease paying attention. Um, my wife always tells me to stop saying this. But it's just the easiest way to say it. We Christians, most of us 
across the board, we warmed up to cremation in the 1950s. <laughs> now, I mean, you know, some people warmed up less reflectively than others. And none of it, well, hopefully none of us have just wholesale adopted it. Um, but we have adopted it with caveats. And, you know, probably most of you don't even know any of the caveats out there among Christian churches. But, um, I mean, we just didn't, you know, fall asleep one night and wake up the next day and say, my goodness, everybody's cremating. And we didn't just, you know, non-reflectively accept it. It was in the 50s that uh, most Christian churches started warming up to it. And I still remember, like the Episcopal Church, one of the things they produced, which is true, was a really nice pamphlet. And this will start getting us at Christian theology. It was a really, really nice pamphlet that said, we have a history of burning sacred objects. We have a history of burning things out of reverence. Not just burning things because we're through with them. Not just burning things because it's refuse or garbage. We have a history of burning things out of reverence and burning them in a reverential way, um, such as flags. Uh, if you ever been to there, there's. I always have to. I always say if you've been to flag burning, if you've been to good flag burning, because there I've I've I've, I've had Boy Scout troops who use clergy, and we do very reverent flag burnings for the community. Um, there's other kind of flag burnings. But you can reverently burn flag. You know what else um, is to be reverently burned? Bibles can be reverently burned. What else? Old sermons. What? Old sermons. Say that again. Old sermons. Oh, old sermons. I don't really burn those. <laughs> Chancel furniture. Furniture you've used in... Don't throw it in the garbage heap. Please don't take it to Goodwill. But you can reverently burn the stuff that you've used in sacred worship. So in the 50s, um, the Episcopal Church started saying, okay, we, we might can look at this differently. You don't burn because it's garbage. But you can burn um, for sacred reasons. Which, by the way, that's why if you go to England, crematoriums, this hasn't caught on here yet, I'm a little surprised because it's almost universal in England. You know how you have gravesides services? In, in England, crematoriums are places where funerals are held too. And you, you do some of the liturgy as the box goes into the furnace. Um, we don't, haven't got there yet for some reason here. but So uh, you can burn things reverently. And that's why you can have Christian liturgy even at a crematorium and burn things reverently. Again, cremation in the Bible, I've already told you about that. It's, it's, it's not really mentioned. The Bible does not prohibit cremation. Now, a lot of Christians make a lot of, get a lot of mileage out of saying that the Bible doesn't prohibit. Um, I was taught in my classical education, be careful of arguments from silence. You know, I've, I mean, people do arguments from silence all the time. You know, Jesus never said anything about fill in the blank. Um, the Bible never says anything about fill in the blank. That may or may not mean what you think it means. You know, I've never said in a sermon ever that the American flag is red, white, and blue. Does that mean I don't believe it is? No, sometimes I don't say it because it's obvious. So when something's not said, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything. 
It may mean it's just obvious, or it may mean they don't believe in it, or it may mean they don't know about it. So watch an argument from silence, such as Jesus never said blank. Never, Jesus never said anything about blank, therefore I can do anything I want to with that. Well, he may have not said anything about it, because as a good Jew, it might have been common sense. So he never had to talk about it. Uh, anyway, the Bible doesn't say anything about cremation, but I gave you, I, I gave you what the Bible does do, because um, it's the Jewish culture with some Greco-Roman, Canaanite culture mixed in. Um, But let me talk a little bit about cremation theology, because this is our concern. This is what gets us to our caveat about cremation. Um, Going down to the conclusion, so you know where I'm going, and then I can explain the conclusion. This is pretty much verbatim from a lot of Christian traditions, when Christian traditions write about cremation. Now, Greek Orthodox which is around the world, the oldest branch of Christianity, usually Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Orthodox in that Greek Orthodox, they, they have a simple statement about cremation. You know what it is? No. Now, they do, wiggle, do have some wiggle room somewhere. Um, they say no. Jews basically say no. Uh, reform, the more liberal the Jewish branch is, they, they may allow for it. Um, but most of the rest, Reformed Judaism, most of the rest of the Christian faith in all of our branches, we have reflected and we say yes and no concerning cremation. So what I've given you there is almost a verbatim statement that a lot of us use. Cremation is permitted if it is not chosen in denial of the Christian teaching on the resurrection and the sacredness of the human body, which, i.e., Cremains need to be given great respect. Um, let me give you a little bit of history there. When cremation, like with the Vienna, you know, World's Fair and the first crematorium, back in those days in that 19th century, it was only the free thinkers who, because like I said, it was almost illegal, but some, some free thinkers in the Western civilization would choose cremation, you know, to, as a statement against Christianity, as a statement against the resurrection of the body. So I mean, if you're choosing it for that reason, yeah, we, we can't go there. So don't, don't choose it because you, you're trying to make a public statement uh, against some, some parts of the Christian faith. We, we can't embrace that. And we're going to talk about resurrection of the body, what that means in a minute. Um, and, and we can't accept cremation because somehow you think you're finished with that body. We can't accept cremation if you think somehow you're through with it. Uh, it can just be gotten rid of, it's not sacred, which what that has led to in, since the rise of cremation among Christians is the building of columbariums. Because we would say, because we, we, we people, are, people throughout history have died in explosions. People throughout history have been buried at sea. People throughout history, I mean, cremation in a sense speeds up the process of ashes to ashes. So that's not the issue. But again, whatever, whatever form the remains take is sacred. And that's why churches built columbariums. You know, whether it's your corpse or your remains, we should take them and lay them in a consecrated spot with great reverence. Because of our theology, of our core theology, we believe that the material world is sacred. 
Creation is sacred. Now, what has happened in the last 150 years, our Christians sometimes have more Platonist, in our Christian churches have more Platonist in them than they do Christians. Platonism, and we get, by the way, we love Platonism. Platonism, Plato in so many ways prefigured the coming of Christianity. But there are about three things. We, we diverge over. One of the things we diverge over with Platonism, Platonism said matter, body, bad. Spirit, soul, good. We're not dualist. You know, now if you're New Age or if you're Oprah Winfrey or whatever, you, you may do that. We, we have historically always said, you, you've read Genesis 1 and 2, right? You know, God created and called it good. So we say creation is good. That includes your body. That's why we in the Christian faith, we invented hospitals. We invented hospices. Um, um, The early Christians even made a statement by making one of their leaders Luke. And, of course, Luke's profession was what? A doctor, physician. Because the body should be cared for. The body should be protected. You should do everything you can. You know, the Bible calls the body a temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, particularly from the Roman Catholic tradition. They'll tell us that body of yours has been um, continually consecrated. It was baptized. It received Holy Eucharist throughout its life. It was maybe anointed at death. We anoint up here every Wednesday with all. So even though your body is sacred by creation, your body has been a tool used by God, just like this chancel furniture. Your, your body is part of God's good creation. So it's core Christian faith. That's why, by the way, that's why you need, if you're Hindu, I don't mean to offend you, but that's why you need a Mother Teresa in Calcutta. Because Hinduism is more spiritual than we are. Hinduism says, you know, if, if, if you are suffering... You deserve it somehow. If you are suffering, perhaps you did something bad in the last life. It's, you know, it's um, karma. And if you're suffering, by the way, karma is not Christian. You do know that, right? Don't talk about karma around me. Um, karma means you get what you deserve. That's blatantly opposed to Christianity. No, we don't get what we deserve. Um, We should care for the human body. We should care for those that are less fortunate. We should care for the sick. That's why you need a Roman Catholic Mother Teresa in Calcutta. Because if you're strongly predestinarian, and Hinduism almost leans that way, if you're strongly predestinarian and you don't have any regard for the body, well, if I see you suffering in the gutter, I might want to say, well, wonder what you did in your last life. I'm not going to interfere with the work of the divine in rescuing you. If God did that to you, because whatever you did in the last life, that's the reincarnation thing. You hope that in reincarnation, if you do well, you come back better. If you don't do well, you go the other direction. And that's why you kind of have to accept. That's why you need a Mother Teresa, a Christian Mother Teresa, to care for people that everybody else wants to think is sort of untouchable or refuse in the culture. Core Christianity says the body is sacred. The body is sacred. So um, that's why we have a burial pall. You know, the white cloth, the beautiful white cloth filled with Christian symbolism that we'll put over the casket or put over the cremains. So for us, it's not an issue. You know, I remember, I've been told this so many times over the years, 
I remember years ago, Tammy had an aunt um, who was dying with cancer, and she was mad at her body. Her body had turned against her. She was frustrated with her body, so she, she joyfully accepted. She wanted cremation because she wanted to give it to her body. And, of course, this was like 40 years ago, so, again, it was a little different back then. So the whole family, when they got a preacher in the family, they sent me in to Granny to help Granny out. Because Granny's daughter-in-law was going to cremate. And Granny's daughter-in-law did not care how Granny felt. They'd have a great relationship to start with. But, you know, Catherine was going to cremate. Granny was upset about it. I go in and, you know, Granny was a good, devout Christian, primitive Baptist from up around Reedsville. Now, when she, she, she didn't even want to talk cremation, she couldn't imagine cremation. That used to be where we were. Now, what was her first... What do you think her very simple objection was to cremation? And this comes out all the time. What's a simple rejection? Resurrection of the body. It's kind of like, you know, God could, it's going to present a problem to God. There's no part of the Christian church that would ever, that's not an issue. If you were blown up in a house explosion, if you were buried at sea, if you were cremated, and you know, you get cremated and, well, I know. Started to talk about the process of cremation, but again, at the, when, when the death of a loved one has occurred, that's not the time to study this stuff. Most of you probably don't even know about the process of cremation. Google it, you'll find out if you want to know. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not that all of that somehow makes resurrection of the body difficult for God. 